We've been working our way through the book of Galatians, section by section, verse by verse. And really, if I was to do a recap, we are dealing with a church that has become a prodigal church. A church that has added to the gospel rather than believing in the purity of the gospel. Really, what happens when this takes place, the power of the transforming message of Jesus is weakened and nullified by the theology of good works and hard work and just obeying the law and being good enough. And somehow you receive, and we stepped into this last year, the Abrahamic blessing. And the whole argument was over what you should do as a believer in the Messiah and whether you should hold on to the laws of the Torah and the ancient laws. And the verses we're going to deal with, the four verses, deal with this once again as Paul starts to ramp up. What is he ramping up to? He's ramping up to the power and the life of the Spirit. In the verses to follow towards the end of Galatians, he talks about the word spirit 16 times. But he still wants to confirm to them and explain to them the issue around the law, the issue around faith and life. And he wants to explain to them. So I'm going to explain over the next two weeks a very what has been a very difficult piece of scripture for the early fathers to understand the relationship of the Abrahamic blessing, that all nations shall be blessed, the relationship of the law, and then the relationship of the Messiah Christ coming into the world. So we're going to delve into this and understand. Some of the issues, though, we do not relate to as as readily as the early church would have related to, particularly those of a Jewish nationality and um, those that gathered who were converted from Judaism to follow the Messiah. This was the great debate in the early church, but the, the truth of what is presented still clearly applies to us today in this journey. And let me read verse 10 for you of chapter 3. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. What is Paul saying here? Simply saying, if you're going to find life and believe it through the law, it's all or nothing. So... You may attempt to fulfill the regulations of the law, but what he's saying is, if you're doing it in your own effort, it's all or nothing. And that is impossible. Let me just give you a bit of context. There are 613 laws identified in the Old Testament in the Torah that had to be followed. There are 365 negative laws. Those are laws of, of you abstain from things, things you shouldn't do. Think about that, 365. That is a negative or abstaining law for every day of the year. Now, that is a lot of laws, okay? There's also another 200 and something extra laws 
There are the laws of, that are affirming of positive things you can do in your life. We come to the number of 613 laws. There are laws that are moral. There are laws that are civil, of society, about how we operate within those laws. And there are laws to do with the ceremonial activities of worship of God in the temple. So it was complex. And you were fraught with failure, fraught with difficulty. And what Paul is saying is, That rather than the law being a blessing, it has become a blockage to the life of God that is flowing through the body of believers. And when you reintroduce the laws, where do you actually stop? Do you stop just at circumcision? Do you stop at at when you've got mold in your house, call for the priest? Do you stop that you must abstain from eating owls and hawks? Do you abstain from all of these areas? I mean, there are so many laws for every day repeated. Where do you stop? And if you're thinking that you're going to get the blessing of Abraham through trying to reach out to these laws, then you are going to fail. It's a blockage. I have a friend who's a heart uh, surgeon. And he often would talk about the operations uh, that he engaged in. And of course, it was the furring and the blockage of the arteries that created so many problems. And he simply said, the arteries are so blocked that life cannot flow through the body. And Paul is saying that, actually. He's saying that the danger is, is that the law has become the focus and has so blocked everything that life does not flow through the law. In fact, it feels like death flows through the law and that curse flows through the law because it is not the avenue. It is not the path to bless all the nations. You see, the pathway... To true life does not come through trying to be good enough through the law. The pathway comes through the justification and the work of Christ Jesus being nailed upon the cross. And it is his death that brings life to the world. We are not going out in the world and preaching a message of obedience to 613 laws. What a message that would be. I mean, when I first met Christians... And they came up to me and they said, oh, come and, um, and, and believe in Jesus Christ. And I was a young teenager smoking my Benson and Hedges with my spiked hair. It's okay, I haven't saved now. And, and as I stood there, they came with a good news to me. The good news is this, come and be circumcised. There are 613 laws to follow. Come and bathe in these waters and do these events and And do this. This is good news for you. Believe in the Messiah. You know what I would have said? (laughs) I have enough problem passing school, let alone doing all of this. It's ridiculous. It would have taken the energy and the power out of the gospel when you have Jesus Christ plus lots of other things. But I'll tell you what interested me was one young person looked at me and said, God exists and you can have a relationship with God. How? Through Jesus Christ. And another young person looked at me and said, you know, have you ever felt dirty and unclean? Have you ever regretted things? Have you ever felt as if you needed a change, that there was something missing in your life, a whole? And I looked and I said, 
actually, yes, I did feel that. I feel, even as a young age, full of regret, full of disappointment, full of anger, full of bitterness. And as that person looked at me and told me this truth, they said, Jesus Christ will take away all of that shame and give you new life and give you a relationship with himself. Wow. That attracted me to Christianity. Because it was about life. What Paul is saying is that the law is a curse. The law is hard work. In fact, in Israel's history, they never were able to really obey the law as God desired. They became a nation. Then they split into two nations. And then the northern nation was taken away. The southern nation then eventually was dispersed. And they became a people amongst the nations with no nation. And they lost everything. And they lost it because they couldn't do the basics, which was have no, no other gods before me. They loved other gods. They, they, they got involved in idolatry. They put their trust in foreign gods and foreign religions. And they lost their way completely. And life was not there. See, if you're just complying to rules, rules are good for society and they exist for a reason. And next week I'll explain the role of the law. But actually what Paul is saying, it's a dead end. The Abrahamic blessing was not fulfilled through the law. The Abrahamic blessing is fulfilled through the Messiah, Jesus. And this is a dead end. In fact, your religious activity of doing hard, of trying to be perfect, is actually choking you to death. There's a story in Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, Pilgrim's Progress, of course, next to the Bible, was the most printed and most successful book of history. And it tells the story, John Bunyan, who came to salvation after 18 months of battling in his soul, wrote a most amazing story of a guy called Christian. You can tell what it's about. And about his journey, meeting characters on his journey as he traveled. There's an interesting story there where he arrives at the house of the interpreter. And the interpreter is sweeping his house. But the more he sweeps, the more he chokes. And he keeps sweeping and he keeps choking because he's trying to clean his own house. But the more he works hard at cleaning his own house, the more it chokes him and he cannot find breath and he cannot find life because of his activity is creating all this dust. And this dust is choking him to death. Brilliant. And that is what the law does. The law chokes us to death because of our activity rather than allowing Christ Jesus to come into our lives and to cleanse our own lives and to come and sweep us out and to bring purity and hope and goodness because he died upon the cross for us. You see, the, the good ship or the, the yacht of good ethics... And living morally is not the way to sail, as it were, to heaven. It is by being justified by the Lord Jesus Christ. And it becomes hard work. And what Paul is saying as he goes on, basically, is clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God. You can't be justified by the law. 
because the righteous will live by faith. You are justified by belief, by faith. In other words, the law is like a chain. You break one link and you've broken the link. It is unforgiving. You may have got blasphemy sorted out in your life, but then you've got an anger problem. So you're fine on blasphemy, but you're failing in anger. You're doing well with jealousy, but you're failing in lying. You're okay in honoring your parents, but you are failing in the way that you handle your money. You always fail. It's it's unforgiving. I've had a great privilege and it has developed the fruits of the Spirit within my life to teach three of my daughters how to pass their driving test. (laughs) This is an, an issue of the law and its unforgiving nature. And I have conversations like this. You're going too fast. No, I'm not, Dad. The law says that you can go Five or six kilometers over the speed limit. (laughs) Is that what the law says? I says, but you know, if you go over the speed limit, do you know what happens? I'm okay, Dad, because I'm just going five over. Well, you may fail and you will fail your driving test. Oh, no, I won't, Dad. I mean, they know everything, don't they? And I'm like, now, now don't drive just with one hand, drive with two hands. Because if you drive with one hand, you will fail your test. Really? Yes. And put the phone down. Uh, (laughs) A joke at that. Realizing that there's a number of RCMP officers in our church. But, now stop that. So we work at this and we work through it. And, and they also know that the test, having taken three daughters through this now, that the test um, also has a, 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 a kind of margin of error. So, so if, they can, if they fail in this area and this little area and this area, but they don't just meet, you know, there are instant failures like hitting a pre- Gestion is not good. Uh, instant failure, but there are those little things. But, it, but what Paul is saying is that the law is completely unforgiving. And if you're putting your hope in the law, basically it's all or nothing. And one mistake, that's it. It's become a cage. In fact, this cage has trapped Israel. This cage is not giving life. This is not giving hope. It's choking on religion and hard work rather than enjoying the freedom and the salvation and the blessing and the glory that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you believe in the power of the law to change lives for some reason, it changes nobody's lives. It just puts people into cages. The reason I follow areas of the law, I do not steal, I do not commit adultery, I do not murder, I do not lie. I do not bear false witness. The reason I follow the commandments is not because of law. It's because of the love I have for Jesus Christ. And I desire to be a holy man of God. And so Paul is explaining this. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things 
will live by them. It's all or nothing. Live by them. But then he ramps up. Then he gets to verse 13. Then he turns around and he becomes triumphant. He becomes, he declares, he allows himself to to speak boldly in his language. And he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for him. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on the pole, on the tree, on the cross. Cursed is here. As Karl Barth, the great um, theologian, wrote, he said, he, Paul speaks the unthinkable. He speaks the unimaginable at this moment, what Paul says is that we are cursed, but Christ himself became the curse so that we could be free of the curse. So every curse that comes through sinfulness is broken because of Christ on the cross. Every curse of hard work, every curse of darkness, every curse of sin, every curse of death, every curse that comes through the areas of darkness, this is all broken because the one without sin became sin. He became cursed for us so that you and I can be free of the curse and we can be trusted triumphant in what Christ has done for this world. Wow. And sometimes we look at our lives, and I want to remind you exactly what Christ has done for you. He's broken the curse and given you peace with God. He's broken the curse and given you peace with your neighbor. He's broken the curse and taken away the condemnation of hell. He has broken the curse and he has brought forgiveness into your life. He has broken the curse and he has brought a a freshness and a dynamic relationship of prayer where you can enter the Holy of Holies. He has broken the curse and enabled you to commune with the living God. He has broken the curse and the condemnation that you have to work harder, but now you can rest in the glory of the knowledge that you and I are children of God and we are loved by God for eternity. That's why Paul was so battling. So struggled. Not only does he say, this is actually literally saying, going back to the illustration of the heart surgeon, my friend, he's not saying that he's just, you know, cleaning out our arteries. What he's actually saying is, That the heart surgeon himself, the eternal heart surgeon, saw the damage in our lives and was willing to sacrifice himself and to give us a new heart and to give us, as it were, his heart. And when you become a Christian, you receive a new heart. When you become a Christian, you are transformed from within. When you become a Christian, you are received, as he says in the next verse, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is the good news to the nations, that, that God himself died for us so that we ourselves, who are unrighteous, become righteous and we receive a new beginning, receive a new life, receive a new heart. We become alive in Christ Jesus. 
And that is the message that we take to the nations. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. The blessing didn't come through the activity of the law. It came through Christ Jesus. And we'll get into this next week. In other words, the Abrahamic blessing was fulfilled not through the law, but the Abrahamic blessing was fulfilled through the Messiah Christ. So when the words came and said that every nation will be blessed and that nations, you will have so many descendants that you look at the stars in the sky as it were the sand on the beaches and you see all of the nations. This is fulfilled not through the law, it is fulfilled through the Messiah Christ. The Abrahamic blessing is fulfilled for all good news to all the nations of the world that this missionary movement, even Israel will be saved through the Messiah. He writes in Romans that God will move in Israel and a whole generation will be touched and is being touched, but we will see the moving of the nations. But what is happening around the world, even as we hear about the shaking in Iran and what has taken place these last few days, what we know is in the last 10 years, more Iranians have given their lives to Jesus Christ than ever before in history. That God is moving through the nations because the Abrahamic blessing was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. God is moving through China. God is moving through South America. God is moving through Africa. This unstoppable message of good news to the world is moving around the world. And you're seeing God moving, whether it's pop stars or, or, or sports stars, or whether it's small village churches being born in, in rural areas in Africa and Asia, Jesus Christ is unstoppable because the Abrahamic blessing was released through Jesus Christ that every nation shall be blessed. Every nation can experience a life-giving relationship with God. God is reaching to the nations. Wow. You know, 2019 was hard for me in many ways in different areas. One of the hardest areas that it was difficult for me was that England rugby team <laughs> made it to the World Cup, went all the way through to the finals, and there faced South Africa. And South Africa, at around four o'clock in the morning, our time, defeated England, the Rose. I cannot explain to you the pain in my heart. <laughs> and the English team stepped out, and as the English team stepped out, yes, they sang, God save our queen. And as they sang that, the boys of England declared their allegiance. They were going to go out, and they were going to win it for the queen. What made me smile was that the South African team, basically most of them were born-again Christians. And they said, we're not playing for anything else except for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. <laughs> so I was happy when they won. Because my loyalty, okay, it hurt. 
But ultimately, I love the fact that the blessing of Abraham reaches every nation, that the blessing of God is moving and working, and that there in South Africa, there was a whole rugby team that said, we play for an audience of one, and that audience is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Is that amazing? Oh, I may watch The Crown on Netflix, but my allegiance is to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I think about this, that he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham to all nations might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Oh, it's come to the Gentiles. It's come to the South African rugby team. Lord, we pray that it will come to the English rugby team. Christ, we pray that you'll be with Canada today. Um, So that by faith we might receive. By what? By faith, not by law, not by hard works, not by religious discipline, but by faith we might receive the promise of what? The Spirit. And that's what makes us different. We have received the promise of the Spirit. And so we're going to move on and understand next week the role of the law. Because it's confusing, isn't it then? What is the role of the law? Why did God give us the law if it wasn't the means of salvation? And and theologians have thought about this and debated it from Luther to Calvin to many generations. St. Augustine, they have talked about this. But it's clear That the way of salvation and justification only comes through the work of the cross. So, at the beginning of 2020, have you lost confidence in the power of God's blessing to the nations? Have you lost confidence in the power that God wants to bless all people? Have you lost confidence in the power that Christ's Messiah The son of the living God came to rescue this world. Because in 2020, it's time for the church to gain the confidence back. It's time for us to pray. It's time for us to step in. It's time for us not to be disconnected, but become connected. Connected to the Father, connected to the Spirit, connected to the life of the church, connected to communion whereby we examine ourselves and remember all that Christ has done and moved in our lives. So, Heavenly Father, we stand before you now and we thank you for this table that we are justified by faith, not through the law or through works. Not through the hard work of our continuously sweeping our homes, our lives. Choking on our own efforts. But we are forgiven by the grace and the work of the cross. That I am no longer condemned because you took, you took the condemnation for me. In my place. And the night in which the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, saying, This is my body.
Broken for you. Broken for you. In the same manner, he took the cup, poured it out, saying, this is the blood of my new covenant, which takes away the sins of the world. Father, thank you for the body that was broken, the blood that was shed. And as we prepare to take communion, Lord, we examine ourselves and we recommit ourselves to Christ in 2020. We hand ourselves over to you, Lord, now. And we give ourselves to you, Lord. Amen.